0: Hello, Evan.
1: (laughs) Hello, Hannah.
0: (laughs) So today I had an idea for an episode. Which we've talked about a little bit. Are you ready for for a, a hand centric episode?
1: <laughs> I'm very ready.
0: I'm not really sure how to like intro this or how to say that. It's not actually a hand centric episode. It can be a um, little
1: hand centric. It's
0: but I'm I. It's a topic that I'm excited to talk about. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump into it. So growing up, I wanted to be a writer, like as a kid is like what I wanted to do and I wrote all the time and I think like I felt pretty good about my writing I was like oh yeah I'm like a child prodigy <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I would take those do you remember those like reams of old printer paper that had those little like cut out sort of dots on the side
1: I I know them well they I've were torn like, off a lot of those, right? those they were, dotted edges
0: they were like really good fidgets for 90s kids <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I would take those like, you know, connected uh, reams of printer paper and I would just like write story after story on them. And I wrote stories at home. I wrote stories in school. Like in school, I would often be the kid when I was young who went just like above and beyond in the writing exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally that was a creative Whim that was really nurtured and supported by the people around me. There was like a lot of positive feedback mechanism around it. My parents were like, "Wow, so good at writing! What a what a prodigy!" <laughs> and I mean, teacher- <laughs> to be
1: fair, you were a prodigy. <laughs> I've seen some of your old writing. It's incredible.
0: I, it was it was really I mean it was unbridled. I think there was just like there was an energy, there was an energy there. I would not go as far as to say child writing prodigy, but it was something that I think as a kid brought me a lot of joy. So for years I wrote, and I would say, you know, maybe up until high school I was like, yeah, this is my dream. I I want to be a novelist. I want to be a fiction writer. And then something changed really abruptly and I've struggled to write a single piece of fiction for years. And generally, I think that my fiction writing is just utter garbage also. So that's what I want to talk about today with you. Why my fiction writing is utter garbage. (laughs) No. (laughs) Why it isn't. Well, so that's what I want to talk about is like what – this shift that I think happens for some people, for a lot of people, like when you make this transition to adulthood, where the act of creating becomes really muddled up in a lot of other messages about like, the worth of creating, why you would continue to do something if you're not actually going to be the world's, you know, next bestselling novelist. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's definitely an arc that I've gone through as well. About drawing, about making art,
0: yeah, it's an art arc an art arc, so do you feel I mean, do you feel like that timeline sort of matches for you like that it was after high school like when when did it feel like it became difficult or like ego ego entered in for you?
1: Mm, it was at some point a little a little like like the later years of college for me that it started to feel it's not like there was no ego before but it started to get weighed when i say it i mean the art that i made i started comparing to a wider spectrum of art and i started to think about its meaning in terms of like making a living could it support me yeah and as that answer seemed to be no, then it really drained the joy out of making art. So in the years since making art has become more fraught and more difficult and involved more comparisons, I've also developed strategies to sort of get around that, to like weasel around the challenging feelings that come with it. Yeah. And there's a million of them. There's lots of different ways. But I think it's often just about framing the work in a way that isn't about making money. It isn't about how it measures up to other people's art. It's about making something that I want to see.
0: And so is this like when you say that, do you mean that for when you are making something for yourself or... Because you you make art for a living, Um, sort of. (laughs) So it's sort of (laughs) well. (laughs) That is the intention and the aspiration. (laughs) I mean, it's. I guess that's like that's part of what feels so fraught, right?
1: I've done a lot of commissioned work, and that's been really interesting for me because it's often that's the place where I really feel like I need to leave behind what's comfortable and fun for me to make what this other person wants and needs. And that experience has been consistently miserable. (laughs) And over time I've started saying like, I can be commissioned, but it's gotta be self-indulgent art. Like it's gotta be in my style, making what I want to make. And like, you can, you can have a broad say over what it's going to be like to suit you, but I've got to enjoy what I'm doing. And so it's not just making art for myself, it's pushing the art that I make for myself onto other people. <laughs> <laughs> so you say I'm doing art for a living, and I'd say that you're doing writing for a living as well. Like... What's making it work for you?
0: Well, uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I don't, I don't think that I'm doing writing for a living. Like, I, we make games, and they involve writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm, I'm burying the lead here a little bit. So, what I will say is, there has been something that I have been doing the past month <laughs> that has helped me. Like, clear, you know, somewhere between five years and like a decade of mental fog and some like ego buildup around just like writing something. Um, That's like
1: the most clickbaity sentence I've ever heard.
0: Oh, I know. I'm like, I'm oh just- my God. <laughs> What's it gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> It can't be that clickbaity though, because, you know, we're like 10 minutes into the episode and, and I didn't lead with this. If it was actual clickbait, I should have led with this. If there I'm was gonna... like
1: a pop-up that was like clear five to 10 years of ego buildup with.
0: <laughs> Would you click it?
1: Oh my God, dude. I'd click it a thousand times.
0: Um. Okay. So I will not continue to be clickbaity, Um. So that thing that I have been doing—it's <laughs> like I'm I'm physically incapable of just getting there. Um, it's it's fanfic. It's fanfic. There, I said it. It's it's fanfic. So, I have some friends who are really into fanfic. They've been writing fanfic for years. They've been reading fandoms. They have some fandoms that like just mean a lot to them, and they're. Uh, they're just, they're really into like seeing more stories being created in these worlds and it's not that I didn't quite understand it but it just it was not it was not a shared interest that we had uh, <laughs> and <laughs> then over the pandemic i got really into star trek <laughs> as you know
1: i yeah i've, I've gotten that impression
0: yeah. Well, so you get to hear a lot about Star Trek. Like, there's a lot of people in my life who get to hear more about Star Trek than they want to hear. Uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I I want
1: to I want to disagree with that framing. <laughs> Let's just say I hear a lot about Star Trek.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> so as a kid. My mom was super into Star Trek Next Generation. And this is sort of like a weird thing because there is nothing else about my my mother that screams like nerdy fandoms. Like she generally loves The Bachelor and uh, you know, dancing with the stars and stuff and Star Trek Next Generation. Like she mm-hmm. went to cosplay parties she just, she fucking loved Star Trek Next Generation when I was a kid. Uh, we had, I think I have posted on Twitter before also that, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish. So we grew up without a Christmas tree, but we did put presents under this like giant seven foot tall cutout of wharf, which I can share that picture again. So I grew up, you know, watching Next Generation. Uh, and then I kind of just forgot about Star Trek. And then, you know, the past 2 years, I've started to watch like I watched Deep Space 9, I've been rewatching Next Generation, I've been watching Star Trek Discovery. I still have not seen all of the Star Trek there is to see, but it I credit Star Trek for like a huge a huge support that's helped me get through the pandemic. It is this vision of a future where we we made it. We spread out among the galaxy. We met like other species and alien races, and there's like there's more to see there, and it's really beautiful to me. I even love, like, I love the differences between the different series. You know, some of them are darker. Discovery is super grim. Uh, Starfleet does not make the best decisions, uh, but. In general, I'm just like, I love imagining this post-money world where people don't get headaches anymore and their, <laughs> their basic needs are met.
1: They do get thrust into like a lot of alternate dimensions, and, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean- There's different problems. (laughs) Yeah, and and I even like, I like critiquing the things that make this world totally not utopian. It's like, why do they throw each other in jail all the time? They're always like, (laughs) they're always like, you are acting weird. We're going to throw you in the brig. (laughs) Starfleet puts people in jail for the rest of their lives. It's pretty messed up. So like, this is not a world where uh, everything that I feel like should have been solved socially and economically has been solved. But- I love Star Trek is the, is the point of this. Mm -hmm. So this became the first time that I could imagine writing fanfic. Like it was the first fandom where I was like, okay, I, I get it. Like, I understand there are relationships that I want to see or stories that I want to see told. Um, So I wrote a fanfic.
1: I applaud it.
0: Yeah. You haven't even read this fanfic.
1: That's right. I, I, is it okay to applaud for something that I haven't read?
0: Yeah, I think you can applaud the like the the what it means. Um, clap, clap, clap. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to take a few minutes to talk about why the act of writing this fanfic helped to clear away that that you know, five to ten years of like of psychic fog.
1: Should we start by talking a little bit about the fog itself?
0: Yes, yeah. And like yeah.
1: where it came from, what it feels like.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I want to hear about that fog for you because you you talked about it a little bit, but I want to hear more of your thoughts about like why why that fog forms.
1: Well, for me, I think that similar to you, when I was growing up, I had like that childlike self-image of being exceptional and drawing things and having people around me be like, oh you drew a thing. That's great. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> and there was a point where I was like, okay, what if I like, you know, what if I really start drawing things? You know, not as a pastime, not as a hobby, not as an interesting activity, but as a mode of expression as like something that is for others to see, to Mm -hmm. witness, and potentially also for work, for living. You know, there were really early days where I was like, maybe I could make a webcomic. Maybe I could be one of the people who make money that way. And with that idea, my impression of my own work changed dramatically. Suddenly I felt like oh there's so much that I can't draw the way that I want to draw. There's so many things that I can't do. And when I look at other art, there's so many styles and like victories that people are achieving with their art that I do not know how to do. And I went to when when I was in college I was leaning towards a sort of math uh kind of degree, but I took an art class too. Mm-hmm. I have mixed memories of it. You know, it felt in some ways like I was behind everybody. Like people just had like competency that was way beyond what I was doing. It's like people were practicing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was drawing stuff that looked very crude. I have a strong memory of of the teacher looking at something I made that was not very successful and in a way that I think was an attempt to be supportive was like, you know, it looks to me like, like, I think you've drawn before. And I was like, yeah, my whole life. (laughs) I'm glad there's a hint of that showing in this work.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I got this impression that I was not a world-class artist. In fact, probably calling myself an artist at all was a insanely pretentious reach. And so I didn't call myself an artist, and I kind of dropped the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to make something that you're like, oh, that's, that's neat. That was fun to scribble your hand around. And it's another to ask other people to give you something for what you made.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think some of that played out similarly for me. There are like two distinct things for me that I can think of. The first is I at one point, you know, in high school really started to struggle academically. Like I just was not a I I was not a successful student at some point. Like I started to struggle in math and science mostly. And because of the way that the education system is, it's kind of like if you struggle in one place, you're struggling every place. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think at that point, there was this threat looming of like, okay, like if I fail, if I fail out of enough classes, I'm going to fail out of high school. Like I'm not going to be able to graduate. And so- there was this immediate priority put on my shoulders of like okay you got the writing you're going to be fine start giving that 50% like it's already there you scale that back and give everything else 100% because otherwise you're you're not going to graduate high school um right. so that that was the first thing and that also kind of paired with like seeing that i was not going to be This exceptional person academically, I think that came with, started to come with a lot of messages around like, now is the time to start to take your life seriously. And these like sort of whimsical things that you enjoyed, like you can keep doing them, but they just cannot be, they can't be the focus right now. Mm -hmm. And I got through that. I graduated narrowly from high school and then went on to a college that was, you know, fostered the liberal arts spirit. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm free. I can finally reconnect. And like you, suddenly found myself matched with people who were just better. (laughs) <laughs> and, right. you know, I mean, I think it becomes a little bit of a trope. I feel like even you start to hear it sometimes in high school, like, when you get to this point in your life, you're going to be a little fish in a big pond. You know, you thought that you were the best. Um, and I never thought that I was the best, especially by this point. I think I had been pretty beaten down, <laughs> Um but you know I still took writing classes i had some some professors who were like this is this is great this is solid i like i'm i'm into this and then i had this experience uh, my like second year of college where i had this writing professor i really liked i'd written a first story in a fiction writing class it had been really well received and he had given some lecture that was like one of those lectures where like I left kind of starry-eyed. It was something about taking risks and not worrying and like this is this is the time in your life to go, to go big and write weird. And so I wrote a story where I was like, this is it. This is this is amazing. This is big. <laughs> this is weird. And you know, we we would submit these stories to class a few days in advance and everybody would read them and then we would sit down and talk about them. So we got into class. It was my day to be like critiqued. We sat down, the professor leaned back in his chair, and he said, I am not going to be commenting today. I'm not going to be participating in this conversation. This is the most pretentious thing I have ever read, and I have nothing else to say about it.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) And I mean, like, It was really out of character for this, for him too. And like the entire class was like ghost white. Like I think nobody knew what to do. Um, And it was so embarrassing.
1: (laughs) Really activated Um, that guy.
0: I know. And it was weird. I mean, so the story was also really like, it was about somebody who was kind of like a, like a sex narcissist And I genuinely think I activated that guy. (laughs) Like, I think he, like, had had an experience in a past relationship.
1: (laughs) I mean, honestly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Why... That that seems very reasonable. <laughs>
0: like I think it. Should we you know, be posting
1: that story? Is like you know an accompaniment to this oh, episode.
0: If I can find it, I think I actually deleted it at some point. Like I think I deleted oh, all traces of it from my so life sad. while i like, crying. I think I was so uh, embarrassed and ashamed. Um, I mean, it's like I do think the story is super pretentious. The parts that I can imagine of it. I don't think it deserved a professor who had nothing to say about it.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: but that was that was it for me.
1: Nothing to say in big air quotes.
0: Nothing to say. He definitely had something to say. Um, so you know, I still took some writing classes after that, but I think that was this, this point where I was like, ooh, like not only am I a little fish in a big pond, like I am a I am like I'm the, bad fish. I'm a bad fish. Like I'm <laughs> I'm the rainbow fish. If the rainbow fish sucked and was like totally pretentious and ostentatious and like I had no idea that I was the bad fish. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that's so sad.
0: <laughs> so and here's the thing about that. I think that I realized that if I was to stop writing that that itself would be really pretentious like oh i can't i can't handle criticism i can't handle critique so i i kept writing i mean we made games everything's been going on <laughs> we've been keeping on but for years i feel like i've had this sense of like deep self-conscious restraint right. and embarrassment about everything i do
1: i feel that i feel that <laughs> I've got that feeling too. So, in those those years immediately after college, for me, I remember being inspired by. I was inspired by a web comic artist that I liked. The web comic is called Nedroid, and at one point, uh, that artist made a whole bunch of bad comics. That they were labeled bad comics, and they were three panels, and they were scribbly and had non-jokes, which very often ended up being hilarious. They were energetic. They were very fun. Mm-hmm. I, I remember rallying you to this cause
0: yes. at the time,
1: and along with other friends of ours. I was like, let's all make bad comics. It's just like throw down some panels, put whatever you want in them. They're gonna be bad. Mm-hmm. And you know, looking back now, it's like ah, oh, this is like a this was like a kind of medicine for the feeling of being incapable of making good things, for the feeling of constantly worrying whether the things I made were bad. Yeah. It's like, well, why don't, instead of starting in that in-between place where things might turn out well or they might turn out badly, let's just start at the place where they're bad that's established. We're in the bad zone. Yeah. And what we make here doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter if it's bad. It it obviously is bad. And then it's like, okay, well, now there's nothing to, to dodge. There's nothing to worry about. Why do you make anything when it's already bad? You just make it for whatever. I don't know. It's just like I'm just doing it. There isn't really a full answer to that because I'm having fun. And then, just like with the the inspiring comics that I had read, a lot of those bad comics turned out to be hilarious. I still have a whole bunch of them. We could post those as content. Those, we should. We should post we should all post. our bad stuff. Yeah.
0: Oh gosh. Not. I'm not gonna post the story that. Well, you know, I one thing <laughs> that I will say also was after that semester that um, that professor quit to go be a subsistence farmer. Um, <laughs> 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 so it is possible that my story was so bad that it just was what what caused him to go live off the grid. (laughs) But yeah, we should post the bad comics because I look at those comics and uh, not only are they a thing that was just created with like so much silly, unselfconscious, like joy. um, They're funny. Like they're so, they're so stupid and they're, they're funny.
1: (laughs) And so it seems to me like, fan fiction for you has been serving a similar role of like not not necessarily bad like bad might, might not be the operative word here, but there's a little bit of a like a like well fan fiction this is like a silly zone. This isn't where you are judged for you're expected to be making great literature that changes the world.
0: Yeah, you're just like, I just wanted to see what happened when these two characters who weren't supposed to kiss, kissed. What if they kissed? (laughs) Kissed. So, yeah, I think fanfic has been that for me. And one thing that I wanted to say about fanfic is that it also helped. It's helped me part those gray, murky clouds also just through like the the structure of it because um, and you know, bad comics, you can say the same for bad comics for bad comics. It's like the goal is to be bad and to have three panels. And generally you kind of know that there's going to be like a, a, a beat to them, like a, a a beginning, middle and end. And often Mm -hmm. it involves sort of like somebody staring off into space or something in one of those panels. (laughs) And that's like, that's part of the joke. So With fanfic, it's like you're going into it almost as if you already have a little bit of an outline because the characters have been made for you. You know who they are. You sort of know the way that they talk and the way that they joke and what their like personal idiosyncrasies are. You know how this world functions. And if you don't, there's wikis like for every every media generally that you love um so and and clips online and that's that's what really helped me like get to the other side with making something is i was like okay so i want to write a star trek fanfic i know what i want to have happen in this fanfic now i'm going to watch a youtube video to make sure that i get this setting accurate like i want to know that if i'm describing the bridge um Everything is in its place. And you get to choose how much of that matters to you, also. Like Mm -hmm. it's fanfic. I get to decide whether I care about if that's accurate or not. I've decided that I that I care. I was sort of surprised that I cared about that, that I spent hours like pouring over memory alpha, which is you know the Star Trek like canon to make sure that I was. Accurately describing the um, mirror universe Terran war, (laughs) (laughs) which don't go looking for that fake. It hasn't been posted yet. So if anybody's like, aha, uh, it hasn't been posted. So you're not going to find it. (laughs) 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 But to me, like that. Suddenly it was like these these gates just opened and it became a lot easier to break through that that struggle of the blank page, which already came with like it's not that it was just a blank page that's intimidating on its own. It's that this it's this blank page that represents all of these, all of my fears of being the bad fish. Right. And with fanfic, I I don't have a blank page. Like I'm starting with, (laughs) at this point, decades of Star Trek that have already been written for me.
1: So I feel like a natural question that comes to mind for me, maybe for some of our listeners, (laughs) heroes,
0: some of our heroes
1: (laughs) is like, why isn't that energy coming out in the games that we make like why
0: you like, mean like why do our games
1: suck? why don't our games no well no <laughs> <laughs> no like just like you know why don't our games feel this way it's like we're in control we're we're in the captain seat like why Mm. We, we should make it so.
0: <laughs> make it so.
1: <laughs> and the reality is like for both of us, I think the work that's gone into our RPGs, into the games that we've made has felt not very liberated, unselfconscious, free from concerns about bad fish. Yeah. And a big part of that is we are making stuff, to share and to sell and to be judged and to be compared. Yeah. Like it's going into the the pool of RPGs and games. It's going into the pool of kickstarters that are active. It's asking you to make a financial judgment about the value of what you're seeing. Yeah. And that's come with lots and lots of expectations that we have for our own work to make it compete in that sphere, to make it worth the value that we're asking for. And I will say that over time, a lot of the decisions we've made about what we're making have been gradually removing those expectations and the sort of containing and controlling them. when we talk about Kickstarters and like, we don't need stretch goals. We don't need to promise whole extra things. Like we don't need to depart from the work that we actually want to do in order to appear more valuable, to appear more competitive with what seems like the norm. But those steps have been tough and slow, and we've been questioning them at every step of the way. So if there's a spectrum of work between liberated, bad comics, fanfic, feeling free and unjudged, and then kinds of work that are tailored and shaped for others to see, the RPG work has started on the far end of, this is for others to evaluate. And it just has a kernel of, this is something we want to make. It's like, start with that little bit of excitement and enthusiasm for the idea, and then tailor, tailor, tailor for external reactions.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know if I, I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying, but I feel like we really do make stuff that we want to make like we're we're not just making things that we don't care about because we think that they're they'll be like palatable or popular but the mm-hmm. the self consciousness is there and the care the care about how it will be received
1: yeah i think you're right it's definitely they're they both exist and they're like they exist alongside each other yeah and over time i have felt like the work that we're doing has moved along that spectrum to feeling more like we can make what we want to make. A few weeks ago, we released a one-page game called Living with the Certainty of Death. Wait, I should look up this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty long title.
1: (laughs) It's called living with the certainty of death by the imminent explosion of our orbiting artificial planet public guest 5 mm mm-hmm. it's a game that for me is almost on the opposite end of the spectrum like the idea came to me in a dream it was a delight to make from start to finish i like the rules i like the way it looks and well i it makes me want to talk about. For me, the creation of this single-page game exemplifies another part of the process of moving along the spectrum to feeling liberated and free in the creation process. And that part is taking aspects of the work that originally felt like I'm doing this to compete. I'm doing this for others. I'm doing it for the impressions that people will have of it. Those aspects starting to become internalized where it's just like, I like it when it looks like this. I like it when it gives this kind of impression. Mm -hmm. I think that the layout of Public Guest 5 is pretty. I think it's a pretty document. I think it has a nice look. In the early days of work, struggling with the layout felt very much like it was a external battle of like, how do I make something that looks professional? How do I make it so it doesn't look amateur Yeah. to people who are evaluating this? I don't want to look like a goof. <laughs> and through a mix of becoming a little bit more skilled and also developing my own taste, laying out Public Guest 5 felt really fun and rewarding on its own merit. Like, I like the way it looks. It's designed in a way that I want it to to appear. And I get my own satisfaction from seeing it. And it's at the point where I'm just like, for other people encountering this work, I'm like, well, you should like how it looks. It's pretty, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I'm bringing my own idea of what's a pretty thing and presenting it and inviting people to join me and enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Which is very nice. That's not nice. That's very nice. <laughs> it's nice.
1: <laughs> the rare quadruple nice.
0: <laughs> uh, so... Here's the thing. Uh, And this applies to what I am about to say, which I will say momentarily, but I have (laughs) not said yet. Click, 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 click. click. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm about to say, I think, applies both to Public Guest 5 and fanfic. I feel like everything that we're saying right now is sounding like this really freeing exercise that it's like, okay, here's our ideas for giving you this opportunity to abandon your ego and create without consideration for the audience on the other side. Um, uh, but it's, it's not. And here's why <laughs>
1: <laughs> click but click, click click
0: click click. click. <laughs> the reason why <laughs> is kudos. So when I posted my fanfic a few weeks ago, I you know, I didn't over edit it. I didn't even share it with you, Evan. I was like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna like have this first draft thing and I'm gonna post it. I posted it. I felt so good about myself. I went to sleep and when I woke up, it, I had gotten this message that was like, your fanfic got kudos. You know, it had gotten like five kudos or something. And I was like, ooh, what's the kudos? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, And I looked and, you know, it's it's like archive of our own's uh, equivalent of likes. You know, it's just like their likes. They have this feedback mechanism for like, oh, you liked my fanfic, give it a kudos. Um, And I was like over the moon. I was just like, I got five kudos. <laughs> oh my God, child prodigy. <laughs> um, and <Good> you know, <laughs> then I think I went like, you know, a day later or something and was like, what What else has been recently posted in, in this fandom? And I looked at some of the other things that had been posted around the time that mine were, mine were, mine was, mine had been posted. And some of the stories had like a hundred kudos 200 kudos and i was like oh oh i i i suck i'm i'm i was the bad fish all along and i feel like it was this (laughs) important moment for me of being like okay like every every act of making something that is going to be shared is going to come with this. Like, there is no external solution to this. Like, some of this has to to come from inside. Like, I have to make the decision now how silly or serious this is, how much I care about other people reading this or liking this or not. Like, fanfic was suddenly, like, no, no less serious than the games that we're making. And some people would say that Those aren't that serious to begin with. (laughs) Uh And I, I feel like public guest five could like we could say the same as like, you know, we we could look at the itchio statistics that people share like the Itch.io analytics for when they release a free game and we might be really surprised like oh we we thought this game was doing great because it got 100 downloads and this person released a free one page game on the same day and got 500 like at some point uh-huh. that work like just has to it's just got to come from in within <laughs> 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 so that's kind of that's that's the circle that I've come to with fanfic, is I want to keep writing it, and I also want to accept that it, it doesn't exist outside of this, like, the cloud. It just doesn't. It can't.
1: To do a rare tie-in. Ooh. We did have a previous episode called Numbers Hide Everything. And this reminds me of that. The number of kudos, the number of downloads... Numbers are inherently, they're blank. It's just like, they could mean everything. They could mean nothing. What actually could they consist of? What those numbers are built out of is in the dark. And in that void of meaning, the internal meanings jump out of you and cling to those numbers. If you feel like I'm the bad fish, it's like, and there's the numerical proof. If you feel like nobody cares about what we make, that sentence, that feeling will just leap out of you and grab onto the void of meaning and fill it up. It's an issue with numbers. It's an issue with the way that we have like with grades, with like assigning these numerical values to everything that we're doing. It's an issue with how many likes a tweet gets. They just always invite you to take whatever is going on internally and project it onto those numbers and those numbers will happily play the part. Yeah. Which is why it feels so important to have a internal conversation. To like have a internal metric for evaluating what you're doing that isn't just at the mercy of of numbers that are going to be happy to represent whatever you want them to represent yeah or in particular that your worst fears are going to leap out and claim and when i talk about that spectrum of liberated creation versus mm, Creating for the reactions of others. I don't mean to say that one side is good and the other is bad. There's something totally healthy about wanting to share and promote the things that you make, wanting to like have it impact others and hear about that impact. Like that's what gets work out into the world. That's sharing, that's communication, that's like existing in a society yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know it's being a part of it yeah and like being a part of the lives of others is a very human thing to be doing
0: (laughs) it's pretty norm yeah it's pretty norm instinct
1: (laughs) so to close the loop about fan fiction like at this point in the story you have received some kudos and learned that you're the bad fish.
0: I yeah, I have I have seven kudos. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to have capped out there.
1: <laughs> and so, where did you go from there?
0: <laughs> so um, undeterred, I decided to pick up a, a story that I had started writing many years ago. Um, And this was also partially inspired by somebody on Twitter who's really into, like, 90s point-and-click games, as am I. Uh, (laughs) Years ago, I had started to write a fanfic, which I didn't even know at the time that this would have been kind of considered a fanfic. Um, I had played with you the 1995 point-and-click horror full-motion video game Phantasmagoria. It was a game that I'd wanted to play since I was a kid, but it would not have been appropriate at the time of release.
1: It was barely appropriate for an adult. It
0: was, we, we yeah, we struggled with that game. We were like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> there's some shit happening in this game. So I was like, so taken by Phantasmagoria though. And <laughs> I was like, what if I like wrote, wrote Phantasmagoria as is? Like everything that happened in the game, just as a story. Dialogue is totally accurate to the game, but trying to sort of incorporate the weirdness of like, you know, based on the technological limitations of the time, like when a protagonist does or doesn't respond to something happening, like in, in Phantasmagoria, like something crazy would happen around this protagonist, Adrian, and she would just stand there, you know, erect saying nothing because...
1: things that she did not (laughs) respond to were astounding. The most evil, demonic, magical stuff.
0: And she just had no internal monologue about it. So I, you know, in in 2015, when I started this, I was like, this is so, this is so silly. And I picked that fiction, that fanfic back up, and I finished part one of it this, this week. And... It was a really different experience of writing than writing this other fanfic, which was Deep Space Nine. Because now that I'm mentioning Phantasmagoria, like this, this is now searchable. So, whatever, like go and look up my fanfics. I don't don't care. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So, with this one, like I worked on this for hours and I sent it to you, you did like an extensive editing pass and had really good feedback. I reworked the humor multiple times because it was pretty goofy. And like, I just kind of stripped and stripped and stripped out the humor to try to make it incredibly dry and ultimately ended up with something that I was really happy with. And, um, it will be the only fanfic in its fandom, like nobody will read this. And that's part of the, the like beautiful. I don't know what the message is here, except just like it's you figure out what clothes feel good on you and what your style is and what matters. And to me, the act of taking the second one much more seriously, knowing that the three views it currently has are all me. Um <laughs> <laughs> There's something about it. And I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. But the work continues.
1: I just feel like that's an example of a different way to frame this idea of having lost the graceful, creative energy of childhood that didn't come with worrying about fish worrying about kudos. (laughs) Yeah, But we can reframe that where it's not about trying to regain that, but it's just about making peace with the self-evaluating part of ourselves, the desire to polish something, the desire for it to look a certain way, to read a certain way, and welcoming that voice and saying that is part of the fun. And it doesn't have to belong to the world of compromising for others. It doesn't have to belong to the world of comparing with others. It can just be a part of my own enjoyment of making what I make. It's also refining what I make.
0: That's such a nice way of putting it. You're always so good at synthesizing these these things. I'm like, I want to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> and you're like, now I've synthesized that into something really beautiful and applicable to people's lives.
1: In conclusion, everybody should read the Phantasmagoria no. fanfic. Everybody no, should go check do it, it, it out. No. Everybody should give kudos.
0: <laughs> oh, and then the cycle starts again. So that's what we have for. Uh, This week. And, you know, we'll be back. (laughs)
1: Click, (laughs) click, 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 click. The Design Doc intro, outro theme was written by our friend, musician Pat King. Thank you, Pat.
0: Design Doc is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. Whoa, my voice kind of dropped really like really low on network. <laughs> it was like a range that wasn't even network. detectable.
1: <laughs>
0: the One Shot Podcast Network. One Shot hosts other great shows like Sky Jack's Courier's Cull. Call, call, call. Hmm, Skyjack's cour- Courier's Call. <laughs> 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 Which is an all ages-friendly actual play podcast set in the world of sp- Oh god damn it. I've never listened to Skyjacks. I'm so sorry. Spear? Spear. Spire Spire? Spire?
1: Oh, spire. I
0: feel like such a jerk. I'm the bad spire. fish. Spear, sky. <laughs> set in the world of Spear. <laughs> 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 oh gosh, Skytext Couriers call follows three teens as they set out as new apprentices aboard an airship with the Swiftwell Courier Service, bringing mail and adventure across the world. Join clever but anxious Kieran, bold, fast-talking Cece, and loyal, strong June aboard the Red Aldrin ship as they sort and deliver mail, encounter powerful magic, and learn the proper skills of an airner along the way. <laughs> right wrongs, do mercies, and take flight.
1: And we would like everybody in the audience to do mercies. Do
0: please do a mercy to me. Um, <laughs> If people have thoughts about this episode or any other, you can tweet to us at designdocpod on Twitter or email us at designdocpod at gmail.com.
1: Also, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash turtle That is a immensely supportive <laughs> mercy you can do us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think we have some new patrons. I just want to welcome new patrons, Josh and Brian. Thank you so much for joining us. We might have thanked them before, but like whatever. I don't Extra know. Extra thanks. Extra thanks for Josh and Brian. Whoop whoop. Oh wait, you, you didn't say what the Patreon was. Did you?
1: I said the, the address. Oh,
0: did you? I thought I said you just
1: Patreon. said patreon.com slash turtlebody.
0: Oh, okay. I got distracted.
1: Here, I'll just say it one more time so you can cut it in if it needs to be said somewhere. Okay. Patreon.com slash TurtleBun.
0: All right, I'll cut that in. Okay. And, you know, we'll see you soon, heroes.